0: Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and to the ages of all ages, Amen. Jesus has uh, several different parables or commandments uh, or sayings that are very hard to accept. One of the ones that that Jesus says, which is very hard, uh, you know, really hard on our ears, is the one we heard this morning. If your hand causes you to sin, Cut it off. It is better for you to enter into heaven, the kingdom of heaven, maimed or lame, than to enter into, than to, to, to have both hands or both feet and be in hell. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. These things are so hard for us to hear uh, and hard for us to get our head our head wrapped around. But... I urge you to, to start to see, maybe you already see Jesus' commandments this way, but to start to see Jesus' commandments sort of as rather than like, like a dictatorial decree from some sovereign ruler telling us, you must do this in this and this way because such is my whim. I am in charge. I'm the boss. I get to dictate and I want it done this way. Some capricious command, some, some like, you know, he woke up one morning on that side of the bed, you know, and just that's his mood. And so because, you know, of how the universe is ordered and he's God and we're not, so we just have to do what he says. I, I urge you to not see Jesus's commandments that way. He's not capricious. He's not He's not finicky. He's not difficult. He's he's not at all, at all. In fact, it's very much, it's very much the opposite. It's a word to the wise. It's Jesus's commandments are a word to the wise. Like when he tells us, look, my, my beloved, my, I love you. Lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Where no one breaks in and steals. He's telling us, look, you have something which is precious. You have something which means a lot to you. Put it somewhere that it can't get lost. Put it somewhere which is safe and secure. Give it to me. I will will personally be held responsible for it. I'll take care of it for you. If it's that precious to you. So he's 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 not telling us commandments like, if you don't do it, you're bad, and I'm going to send you to hell, and I'm going to hold this against you, and look, I've got this whole list of your offenses over here. No, 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 no. It, think of, think of Jesus' commandments more like he's, he's advising us. He is the creator. He's the one who made us. He, he knows us. He built us. And He's telling us this is the user's manual. This is, this is how things work well. Let me tell you a little story from the Old Testament that you may or may not know. King David had several wives. From his first wife, he had a son named Amnon. Amnon was his eldest. From a few wives down the line, he had another son named Absalom. Absalom was... This guy was like... This guy would have been on the cover of GQ all year long. I mean, this guy was... This guy was like the hottest guy in the kingdom, okay? This guy was, he could sing, he could dance, he could, I'm just making this stuff up. But he was, no, really, he was so charismatic, okay? Um, He was just, uh, which caused problems down the line. Now, Absalom had a sister from the same mother. Of course, these are all King David's children, but they have different mothers, named Tamar. Tamar got some of Absalom's genes, right? So she was also good looking. So guess what happened? Amnon, the eldest, fell in love, lusted for his stepsister, Tamar. Now that's a very shameful thing even in those times and it was not acceptable. You, you, could, you, could not, um, you could not have your, your, your stepsister as, as a wife. That was just, that was not okay. Um, but uh, Amnon couldn't help himself, so uh, he uh, he pines away. The, the The Old Testament is is hilarious. There's some parts in it that are just absolutely. He he's like he's pining away, and he's like, "Woe to me, woe to me!" And his friends are like, "What's wrong with you?" And he's he, He says, oh, like, I'm in love, but I can't do anything about it, and I'm stuck, and I feel so, and they're like, what's wrong? Well, what's the problem? So he tells, he confides in his friends, and his friends tell him, oh, there's no problem. Just, you know, pretend to be sick, and when you're sick, eventually your dad will come visit you, and when he comes and visits you, tell him, I want my, my sister, Tamar, to like, you know, nurse me back to health, right? And then when you're alone, do whatever you want, right? And so he takes his advice from his friends, right? And, uh, and that's exactly what happens. And he basically he rapes her. She goes back to her house, devastated, of course. Absalom finds out, right? Absalom is wildly popular, of course. And Absalom is enraged. Absalom is enraged. Uh, and the story goes on. But there is a verse in in 2 Samuel 13, 15 that is just really characterizes Jesus' commandment to us when he tells us, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because it's better for you to enter heaven maimed than to enter to to go to hell with both hands. What Jesus is trying to tell us is that the things that lead us to sin. Are going to be our our destruction. You know, have you ever have you ever been doing something? You've been working on some project. You say this is this is going to be the death of me, right? This this temptation, this desire, this this thing which is going to lead me into sin is going to be the death of me. And in the end, Jesus is trying to tell us: you're not gonna you're not gonna have the pleasure of the temptation, or the sin, or the whatever or your peace or your eternal life. You're going to lose, 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 lose. So better to just cut it off. Like in the end, you don't, it's not like, well, I got the pleasure of the sin, but I guess now I have to pay the price, you know, right? No, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, okay, personal confession here. We, uh, Mary and I bought this cheesecake or something before, uh, before the apostles fast, right? And so uh, at the end of the Holy 50, you know, we're eating this cheesecake and there was one slice left. And I left it for Mary and she left it for me. Anyhow, she left it for me, but the apostles fast started. Mary's pregnant, so she's not really aware of when fasting is starting and not starting, and whatever. She's you know, you know, she's, when you're pregnant, you don't fast because your body is all going crazy anyways, right? Anyhow, so this piece of cheesecake stared at me, the entire apostles fast and the entire apostles, fast. every time I open the fridge, there's this piece of cheesecake staring at me. And by now it's gone a bit stale and I'll eat something that's a bit stale. Mary won't, you know, but I'll eat something that's a bit stale. And, and The entire apostles' fast, this cheesecake is talking to me. It's like, eat me, eat me. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't. No, I can't, I can't, right? Right? And the apostles' fast ends. And I've been tormented for like 40 days. Because the apostles' fast this year was almost 40 days, right? And I just dug into that like... 500 calorie cheesecake and i'm trying to lose weight and i'm like dieting and running and all this right and i'm like to hell with it all i'm gonna eat the cheesecake right and i eat it and it tasted like cardboard you know it tasted like cardboard right like like I just like lose 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 like lose on every level like on and that story is just a sad story with no it's just pathetic you know it's just absolutely pathetic like dude when, when I sense that it's tempting me, I should have just thrown it out because 40 days later, it's not going to taste any good. When it's been sitting in the fridge, it tasted like old broccoli or something. You know how things take the smell of your fridge, right? Throw it out. Cut it out. Cut it out because it's just, it's just, you, you lose. Get some new cheesecake, <laughs> you know? You you lose. You lose. Jesus is trying to tell us that there's some things in this life, there's some things in this life that have a luster to them, but they cause you endless loss. Back to the story of Amnon and Tamar. Absalom finds out, Absalom is furious. Absalom's friends tell him, control yourself. This is what you gotta do. Everybody has terrible friends in this story. Moral of the story, get yourself some good friends who can give you good advice, right? Absalom's friends tell him, you're a popular guy, you throw great parties, throw a wild party for all of the sons of the king. And when they're all there, kill Amnon and all his brothers. So that's what he does. So Amnon... So the story ends with all this bloodshed. But this is Second Samuel 13, 15. This is the key verse. Because the saddest part of this story is not that Amnon dies at the end. The saddest part of this story is not incest. Or the saddest part of this story is not that King David who had a heart like God's, that this, these are his children. The saddest part of the story is that despite all of this trouble, The moment Amnon was done the deed with his stepsister Tamar, in 2 Samuel 13, 15, it says, then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had ever loved her. He hated her with an intense hatred. He hated her more than he had ever loved her. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us, that there's some things in this life that have a luster to them, but the moment, the moment you put your hand out to it, it's more bitter than you would have ever imagined, and you will hate it more than you ever had loved it in the first place. Jesus is trying to save us Essentially, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, He's trying to save us. He's trying to save me from myself. He's trying to save me from my own freedom. I want to end on a positive note. Who are the people who entered the kingdom of God lame, lame, with their eyes plucked out? I thought Jesus in the kingdom of heaven... There is no sickness, there is no tears, there is no death. I thought that Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom, every disability will be healed. Like if you're born in this life with some disability, in the kingdom you wouldn't have that disability. Who agrees? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. So but he says it is better for you to enter the kingdom lame, maimed, blind than to go to hellfire with both hands, both feet, and so on. So how is it that there will be people in the kingdom of heaven who are lame, who are maimed, and who are blind? You know, to know what the answer to the question? So beautiful. The answer is right in front of you. If you look at the icon of Christ, when the iconographer was painting the icon of Christ in the bosom of the Father, He asked me, do you want me to paint in the wounds of Christ or not? So, he and I did some research, we did some digging to see, I don't know. You know, in the kingdom, Jesus sitting on his throne, the four incorporeal creatures around him, the 24 elders praising, all singing, holy, holy, holy. When Jesus spreads out his hands to the world to welcome you and I into his kingdom... Will the the print of the nails be there or not? So we read and read and dug and dug. And the best answer we found was that the answer is yes. They are there. The same way that they were there for Thomas, the same way they they will be there for you and for me. As a witness, as evidence of the boundless love of God for you and for me. Now, the martyrs, the martyrs who were lame, who were maimed, who had their eyes cut out, plucked out, their tongues plucked out, their teeth plucked out, their fingernails cut off, and so on. They also will not have a disability in the kingdom, but they will have a witness of the death of their love for Christ in the kingdom. So the the person who had their leg cut off for the love of Christ, be it by Christian persecution or be it in avoidance of temptation, will have a witness of that in the kingdom but won't be hobbling around on crutches. Will still be free. Will walk as well as, as everyone else. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful that everything that you choose to step away from, every temptation you turn away from, will be held, that is what will be held to your account. The the chart of accounts that God has is not of your misdeeds, of your broken commandments, but is of the depth of your love the intensity of your love, and the sacrifice that you have done for Him in this life. And you will have a witness of that for all eternity. Isn't He kind? Isn't He generous? Isn't He truly a very good, good God? Isn't He not then worthy of our worship? Isn't He worthy then for me to walk away? From all of these self-destructive things that won't lead me to any joy, anyways. Glory be to God for whatever. And I've sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers, and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.